Thanks for listening to the Life Church Boise weekly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Mark Bohr. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Well, if you've seen uh, national events this morning, you know there's been another terrorist attack in Florida and people getting shot up and it's another another tragedy, another piece of mess going on. I encourage everyone, our hearts go out to everyone involved in that and, and, uh, and that's suffering and dealing with a life change and some, of course, quite a few people died. Uh, messed up world we live in, huh? And just encourage everybody to, to pray for those. If you have fa- friends or family, and I have friends, you know, in Florida, and I think they're all good. But, uh, you know, rough world we live in. And uh, the, the message that uh, Tony and, the, and that other lady, uh, uh, <laughs> Stephanie, uh, brought out earlier, <laughs> earlier is very applicable to our lives, right? They learned how to be led of the Spirit. In a dangerous time, in a dangerous world, we need to be led. Because the Lord will lead us away from, from things that, that are going to harm us, right? And uh, so, learn to be led of the Spirit. Sign up for Bible college. All right. <laughs> Amen. If you brought your Bible with you today, uh, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. Shout out to those in the cafe service. And of course, those around the world watching on live stream, 1 Peter chapter 3, I want to bring to you today what I believe will be the last part of a series of messages that we've been teaching now for several weeks called Ready with an Answer, all right? We are to be prepared. We are to be equipped, Um, and we're, we're supposed to have answers, aren't we? Answers for people. Let's read the verse. Verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense or an answer to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. See, when you have the living hope in you and when you conduct your life in such a way that reflects that living hope, it stirs up questions from those who don't have it. And thank God I'm one of those who have it. And we're, we have a bunch of people, you have that hope. And so your life, just the very life, the way you live, it demands answers. What is the deal with you, man? What is going on? What's up with this hope, this expectation of better things in your life? Amplified Bible reads this way, but in your hearts, set Christ apart as holy and acknowledge him as Lord. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope that is in you, but do it courteously and respectfully. Now, in order for us to effectively reach people with our logical defense, there is something that must exist as our reason for for doing it, our, our motive for answering, and that is a genuine love for people. All right. If we don't truly, sincerely, honestly care about the eternal destinies of other people around us or even the temporary issues that are going on in their lives, we are not going to come across right. 
It is not the message of God through us will not be received like it ought to be received because it just won't feel right. God is love. It's just who He is. And He is love in me and in you. And if that is squelched in any way, we misrepresent Him and the reason for Him giving us direction, instruction, and and ways of living. All right? Religion just wants to control, wants to put you in a box, wants to make you conform to a little certain image. God wants a relationship with people. He wants to show them His great love. He wants to lift them when they're down and help them when they're hurting. And this needs to be our heart. Uh, It's not about uh, winning an argument or just being right. Where I've stated my case, I've given my logical defense, and you're wrong, and I'm right, and so I win. Well, I win what? I mean, what do I really win if I win like that? I don't truly win anything, and they don't win anything, and they don't, and they don't lose. I mean, it's just it's a it's a it's a lose lose. In reality, we are not trying to just win an argument. The truth is, I have eternal life. You have, some, most of you probably some checking it out. You have eternal life, and someone else doesn't. They need it. That's the reason we talk. That's the reason uh, we do these things. It's not us against them. We want others to have what we have, to experience the goodness of God like we do. One of the most outstanding characteristics of a believer is this very thing, that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's, It's that compelling love. It moves us to action. It moves us to help people when they're hurting. It moves us to be kind to the unkind. Huh? To, to forgive those who are, are guilty. And we don't, because of this compelling love within us, we do not interact with people without a consideration of their eternal destiny. You'll find it. If you, as you walk with God, you will find that it comes up within you that when you know people, you're around them from day to day, for time, you'll be in a conversation and the thought comes to your mind. Where are they going? What about when they die? What about when they leave this planet? And I want you to know that thought coming to you is, is a God thought. Because He has strategically placed us into positions and relationships so that others will know the love of God. Know Him. All right? Many have uh, made this statement. I don't know who originated this. It's pretty well known. It goes like this. People don't know how much you know. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And there's some real truth in this that when we are giving our logical answer, our defense, we're explaining what is really going on in us, it must come from a heart of love and compassion, a true desire to see someone else in a relationship with God, see someone else saved, as opposed to me being right and you being wrong. I win the battle, I win the argument. It needs to come from that. And so I want to focus in a little bit today on this this last phrase in our text that says, but do it with meekness and fear. Or 
the Amplified says, do it courteously and respectfully. So, so watch, there is a way to give answers to people without any humility. And they can be right answers. They can be well thought through. They can be precise. Art, you can be articulate. You can lay it out plain and clear, but be a jerk about it. And that's a problem. How many know if we represent truth, but do not represent it with God's heart, we misrepresent that truth. God does not, ex- God does not exist in truth outside of love. Love is who He is. Truth is what, 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 what's a reality. It, it, uh, uh, but we've got to represent both sides of this, and it's very, very important that we be courteous and respectful. Sometimes in this context, when if you, if you are one to study these matters, or if you are one to study apologetics, uh, that's, what th- that's what this verse really references. Um, that's a good thing. I love it myself. like to have answers and like to be logical and, and present things uh, with precision. Um, but when you do that, I have seen a number of quite a few times where people give a very good answer but not in a very nice way. And using words like, that's absurd, and that's just ridiculous, and and it's so often denigrating to a person, impugning their motives and talking with the person like they don't really, they're not of value, they're not of worth. And and, and as believers who are representing the Lord, um, we need to represent His heart, okay? Now, I recognize, because I've been in these conversations, there are no doubt individuals that we know, that you know, people in your life, and they don't really care what's right and wrong. I've called people on it before. You know, having, I don't lead with this, but, you know, having been in a discussion with them for a while, stopping in the middle and said, you don't really care what's right, do you? You don't really care about the truth. You just want to defend your, your religion. You want to defend your belief system. Well, I'm a this. I'm a this ism. I'm a this ick. I'm a, you know, and this is the way we say it. This is the way we believe it. Fine, fine. But are you going to hold that so high? What about truth? Do you even care? And I've noticed some people don't. So I don't want to argue with them, you know, because then it just turns into I win and they lose. Certainly doesn't turn out the other way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But, but in reality, like I said before, that doesn't really produce anything good in the end. And so I recognize that there's a, a definite need for people to really love truth. You know, there's a scripture over in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10, and it, it references people who perish. And you know why they perish? It's because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. All right. Is it important that we have a love of the truth? If you don't love the truth above your, your group, your past, the way you've been trained, you, your belief system, your, if you don't love the truth above these things, you'll just become very religious, religiostic or something. That's, sorry, that's a new word. Start using it today. Uh, You'll get bound up in that and you'll never be free. They perished because they didn't love the truth. It doesn't mean they didn't love anything. 
They probably loved their ways. They probably loved a whole bunch of stuff. They just didn't exalt truth above their ways. And so uh, I've got to keep that, that, that in my own heart. And I do recognize that there are individuals that don't function with a, with a value of truth. They just want to stay in their own path. And that person's hard to help, honestly. But if I want to help people with answers, the hope that's in me, with respect, with courtesy, one of the best ways to do that is to consider my own life, to consider myself. It's interesting to me how many times people formerly were in a certain way of living. They had a certain lifestyle. They conducted themselves. They thought a certain way. uh, And then they, they got saved. And the Lord changed their life. And they've grown, and they don't even look like the same person anymore. They, they live different, they think different, they make decisions based on different uh, criteria. But then they see someone else who thinks and acts and lives like the way they used to, and they say, I don't know how they can do that. Can you believe that person doing that, saying that, living that way? And they, they speak as if they, they lost their memory. It's like... Dude, that used to be you. What do you mean you don't understand that? What do you mean you can't believe someone would talk that way and think that way? You used to be that same person. And if we will consider ourselves, it'll cause us to be much more gracious and merciful and and, and relatable to those who are still where we used to be. You know, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 talks about when a person is overtaken in a trespass that means they've fallen they've sent fallen into sin he said you who are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness considering yourself lest you also be tempted so whenever we're considering the faults and failures and 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 ills of another person where should we look we should look right back at ourselves and say, I don't want to end up in that mess. I, not only have I probably been in that mess before, I don't want to end up there again. So I need to consider this in how I relate to them. And I don't want to just condemn and knock them down. I want to lift them up as if it were me and I would want to be lifted up. Yeah. And so if we have this mindset towards people, it'll help us to give our logical answer, our defense courteously, respectfully, with humility. But I know when it, when it comes to speaking with individuals, there's some common courtesy I think people should, you know, relate to. Talk to, treat people with respect, you know, look them in the eye, value what they're, them as, as a person, uh, don't interrupt them when they're speaking. There's a lot of things that really hinder our message from getting across. Uh, assume people have a good motive. I don't want to start with, you know, you just hate the truth, don't you? <laughs> I, I don't want to start there. I want to start, as, as the scriptures speak about love, that it believes the best of other people. Believe the best. Say, well, I know better. I know their heart. Do you? We're usually in error when we say that. All right? Believe the best of them. Um, Acknowledge what is right about individuals, not just what is wrong. If all I do is talk to you and point out everything you do wrong, you probably don't want to hang around, right? I mean, aren't there individuals in your life that you uh, are kind of drawn towards? And they're usually not those people that are critical of every 
stinking little thing. Did I say stinking? Uh, of everything you do. Right? Uh, and so people don't like to be wrong. Ask questions instead of making accusations. You're a this. You did this. You said you. Ask questions of individuals. It will help them to relate to you more. It seems this is the case with many Christians that we can be very put off by certain sins. We can be very turned off by certain lifestyles and sinfulness. Again, often forgetting what we used to be. Often forgetting that we have done those very same things and we've asked the Lord to to forgive us, right? Uh, But I understand it at the same time. When you're living with God, you have a relationship with Him, and you're growing in that relationship, no doubt there are things that God doesn't like either. And you feel His heart, and you are opposed to darkness. You're opposed to sinfulness. It's a part of your born-again, spirit-filled nature. You are opposed to certain things. But that being the case, we, we have to have at least some degree of separation between the person and the practice, between the individual and their value to God and a lifestyle that may be contrary to righteousness. Um, I know having, you know, been teaching and so forth and been in ministry a number of years and, you know, possessing high levels of vocabulistics and being a, you know, professional talker, uh, <laughs> that, that sometimes there are ways to say things in such a way where it generates excitement, and you can do it on purpose. I mean, I think of like political rallies. Uh, you know, they make certain statements and everyone's, yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't want this to, I'm okay with great response, uh, whatever, but this is not a political rally or have that kind of feel to where I, where I w- would desire to say things just to get approval or just to get a positive response where everyone cheers. Because here's the deal with, with that. Sometimes we'll address certain ways of life that are contrary to the ways of God. And although if it's said in a right way, it would draw applause, it would draw cheers, there would also be present in the room others who are that very thing, who struggle with that very issue, and they don't necessarily feel encouraged or lifted or helped. They just feel like, man, everyone here is against me. And I'm telling you, that's not the truth. That's not the way we are. And if you have issues and struggles and things in your life, and you think Christians and the church, and they're, they're, they're all against me. No, we're not. We're for you. Do we have standards of righteousness? Yes, absolutely. Otherwise, you wouldn't be seeking things. You recognize that there's a hope that you may not have, and that God is your answer. But we want to be courteous and respectful you know, I could talk about, uh, you know, if we were to say uh, drunkenness, and I gave illustrations of a, of a drunk behaving wrong and doing, making wrong decisions and doing all kinds of things, we might say, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, but what about the person? What about the person there uh, 
who says, yeah, and that's my life, and it stinks, do they feel like we're for them in the midst of being against an activity? Just a thought. Uh, Nowadays, in our little part of the world, by the way, it's not all over the world, but our little part of the world, everyone wants to discuss, at least in the media and everything, things like transgenderism and homosexuality and those kind of things. That's not the global discussion, by the way. Let's be worldly, not worldly, world global minded. It's just our little part of the world that these things are so big. But you know, we, 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 we talk about the, and we know what the scriptures have to say. We know what the Lord has to say. But here's my heart. I want people to know that I'm not against them. I still want to be very, very respectful of all people, no matter what's going on in their life. My message, our message, the gospel is not just you're wrong. You're doing wrong. Your life is wrong. What is my message? What is our message? Jesus died for our wrong. He died for your mess up and my mess up. Huh? He died for your life and, 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 and paid the price for my sin. And, and, and that's our message, not just pointing out people's problems. It's saying Jesus is the solution. Does that mean we water down righteousness? Absolutely not. We never back away from, from, from the Word of God. But these, you know, you've got these crazy people out there, you know, like these individuals that protest at the, at the funerals of, of uh, military and stuff, and they hold these signs up that says, God hates the gays. No, he doesn't. Amen. That's stupid. Can I say stupid? And being, I don't want to turn it political route. Yeah! <laughs> Listen. What's John 3.16? God was so ticked off at the world that he sent Jesus to tell him, you guys are a mess. No, he so loved the world that he sent a substitute to die in our place, to pay the price for ourselves. Amen. And, and, and that's the message we want to we wanna continue with. It's, it, it's about the love of God. That's going to be our motivator for talking to anyone. Does that guarantee everyone will accept the Lord? It doesn't, but it sure represents the Lord well. It sure gives that mm, behind the logical answer. Yes, we've laid it out the best way we can. But you know what? Bottom line is, I really love you. I care about you. Jesus loves you. And God wants to have a relationship with you. And and if we can combine those things, I think think we have a a real good chance of, of helping more people than ever before. Amen. Now, uh, as I read the scripture and I look about look at people that we admire, like Paul, wrote a good part of the, two, the the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, and you can find in, in there even little little hints, and and you can read over there in the Book of Acts, and you'll find that he had friends that apparently it seems to leave this impression that weren't necessarily followers. He had friends that were officials in Asia. You know, people in government and so forth. And I think, okay, what was this dude Paul like? We know he was bold as a lion. We know he wouldn't back off. I mean, they'd stone him to death. He'd get raised, he'd get raised up and go back in and preach again. I mean, he's one tough, committed dude and committed to truth. He's the one that wrote about love the truth. All right, so he was that way, but also I see he must have been like 
pretty nice guy. He was relatable. He was friendly. He was kind even to people who were unbelievers. Otherwise, they would, I mean, he had people that were called his friends, yet no reference of them being saved or being a part of the church. They were just friends of Paul. That's interesting to me because we're not of the world, but we are in the world. And we represent the Lord. We represent his love. And if God is really cool and really friendly, and, and he is, and we're a bunch of jerks, because we're, uh, don't let your sin get on me. I think we're misrepresenting the Lord. Think about Jesus. Didn't Jesus have a great following of sinners? Didn't they enjoy being around him? Now, was Jesus watering the message down for them? No, but it seems that the way that he presented what he was saying, he presented truth, was from a motive of love. He was respectful. He was courteous. He was kind to everyone, even those who were doing it wrong. If he could do that, I think we can too. I think it would serve us well. It would serve us well all over. We can have friends that don't agree. Why? Well, we do have a hidden agenda. Seriously. I do. If you don't, get one. Because I am convinced of eternity. And so ultimately, anyone I know, I secretly, or blatantly, one of the two, but I want them to come to know the Lord. If you don't want that, dude, I need to lay hands on you, suddenly. <laughs> Spirit of slap, bam. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you have a relationship with God, you know about heaven and hell. And so this has got to be a driving force within us, family, friends, people we live around. We've got to be praying for them. We've got to be looking for an opportunity. But in the middle of it, respect. I honor them. I value them as a person. That's the way the Lord looks at this. Romans 5.8 reads this way. But God in his own love toward us, he, he demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When? When, when, did, when did he send the Lord? While we were still sinners, not after, after we cleaned our act up, not after we repented and did everything right. While we were a mess up, that's when he showed his love. You find someone doing the wrong thing in the worst way, in the most blatant way, that's a good opportunity to be just like God and love them in the middle of it. Amen. Now, what do we, re- we respect? Uh, we don't respect sin. I don't have any respect. Listen, rejection of Christ is a serious issue. I have no respect for, for, for that. I have no respect for that activity in someone's life. But I've got to separate. So I still respect you. I still respect you as a person. You are valuable to the Lord. He loves you. And, uh, and thank God he does. Amen. Look with me at Colossians chapter 4. We'll, we'll finish up some... Uh, really good thoughts over here. Colossians chapter 4. Now, it's in my Bible somewhere. 
I want, I want to read verse 6, but I want to jump back for a moment and read verse 5. Notice what it says here. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. Now, who are those who are outside? He's talking about they're outside the church. They're outside of the family of God. What are we to do with them? Walk in wisdom. So I could potentially have a relationship with someone who's a non-believer, but be very foolish in how I walk with them. Right? Why do I need wisdom? Well, Proverbs says it this way. Uh, it says, he who wins souls is wise. If you don't have wisdom, you don't win any souls. And wisdom says that I need to treat a person, well, with respect and courtesy, but I need to treat them the right way. There is a, I could be foolish in how I represent the Lord, or I could be wise. If I'm wise, I'm redeeming the time or making the most of every opportunity. Verse 6, let your speech always be seasoned with grace. How often is always? Trick question. Always. Your speech always, always be seasoned with grace. Amen. Sometimes we just need to think about it. Anyone's mouth ever gotten them in trouble? (laughs) What would happen if our speech was always seasoned with grace, we would sure save ourselves a whole lot of trouble, right? And not only that, if we're always seasoned with grace with our speech, we are going, that's part of wisdom in talking with someone else. It needs to be seasoned with grace, uh, or excuse me, with grace, seasoned with salt, that's the word picture there, like a salt, salt seasoning, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now, can you see it again there? There's a way that we ought to answer people. If that's the case, there's a way that we ought not answer people. All right? Doesn't mean we don't have the right answer. You can have have truth. You can have a logical response and a defense, but you could say it wrong. You could present it wrong. You could come across with the wrong vibe, the wrong heart. It could be disrespectful. Uh... But there's a way where we ought to answer. And one of the ways we should answer, of course, is, is he says, let it be seasoned with, let it be always with grace. I could say it this way, be gracious. Don't be judgmental. Don't be harsh with individuals. Be gracious with them. Why? That's wisdom. That's salt. It's going to make it, everything taste better. Thank you, Lord, for salt. Amen. Our speech needs it. I don't want to say something and say the right thing and give truth, but it tastes wrong in someone's mouth because I didn't use wisdom in how I was, I was talking. Be likable. Can I encourage you? Can you tell someone to be likable? I don't know. Can you just do that? If you're motivated by love, I know that's the main thing. What's your heart? What's your motivation? God is likable. Absolutely He is. He's misrepresented. Sometimes we've twisted 
our presentation of him and made him seem other than he is. But God is very, very likable, desirable. You want to be around him when you see him the way he is. Yeah. And you know what? If you're a believer, you ought to be very likable too. We should be the friendliest people in town. Like a bull. <laughs> likable. Now, if you grew up in a socially dysfunctional home, and you just don't know how to act, all I can say is, uh, let the love of God dominate you as being your motive. What, what does love do? It thinks of the other person. And then ask the Lord to teach you how to be, you know, how to handle situations and be socially acceptable, be likable. But when the love of God is there as your motivator, I think that's the biggest thing. Why am I talking to this person? I want them to be impressed with me. Am I just looking to change them? Am I, am I putting people down? Do I find myself talking about where I don't have anything to talk about except for what's going wrong in life and in the world and with other people? Do you see what they did? Do you see what so on? And you lead conversations with that? That's not likable. Because right. huh? how many know whenever you do that, that person just, you just inform them that you're going to talk about them too. You just demonstrated it, right? God is likable. Now, the absence of this, courtesy, respect, can ruin our good answer. I mean, we have a good answer. I've given you some of them over the last few weeks. We have some really good answers. But if we don't do it right, it can totally wreck the answer. You know, there are three real important components to communicating effectively. One of them is content. The second one is timing. And the third one is tact. Content is what you say. And timing is when you say it. And tact is how you say it. There's a right way. There's a wrong way to talk about stuff. There's an individual a few years ago that had a really great knowledge base and had a lot of answers for people that were right, that were correct. And I was trying to help him because he kept running people over. Just kept mowing them down (laughs) in the sense of unnecessarily offending them. And just, he would be too harsh. Too, I, tried to, I tried to have this very discussion. I thought, man, you know some stuff. You have, I think you really do want to help people. But you got to stop doing that. you got to stop acting like this because people aren't receiving that. And I think we should pay attention and notice. If it's not working, do it different. And what, what did he lack? Tact. Lacked tact. He lacked tact. Some things are just fun to say. Francisco. (laughs) Um, But I pray that as the love of God compels each and every one of us, and as we're moved to be in engaged with other people's lives because of what he has done for us that he'll help us to recognize how to not only have good answers some of that's a matter of study and learning preparing but then to bring them out in a right way that is helpful proverbs 15:23 reads a man 
has something. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good it is. We want to be those vessels. Amen. Of a word spoken at the right time, in the right way. Thank you, Lord. Again, let me tell you this. The Lord has, has placed us. I believe this. A lot of things we think is just natural. Well, I just happen to have a job here. And I happen to shop here and live here and go to these places. There is more spiritual activity behind the scenes than many people realize. There is God-ordained appointments. Divine assignments. He connects people for this reason. He knew you would have an answer for someone who lived right next door, for someone who worked across the way. He knew he could count on you to represent him in such a way where that person would come into a relationship with him as well. Amen? Let's recognize these things this summer. Huh? Summer's not break time. It is in some, degree, in some ways, I guess. But you know what? Let the Spirit lead you all summer. Watch what, watch what relationships he's establishing. Watch how he, he orders your steps and directs your life so that good things can result. And make the most of every opportunity that you have. Amen. Father, I pray for these today and thank you for the, for the, the life of God in us. I thank you for the love of God that compels us and stirs us and, and, and moves us to reach people that you have placed in our lives. We have answers. We have wisdom from above. We have spiritual might and power to help in a world of death and destruction, of despair and godlessness. Thank you for leading us in the way that we should go and directing our lives appropriately. For this we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for you do all things well thank you for working in us today in Jesus precious and holy name glory to God glory to God amen amen thank you Lord I do want to pray for for this and uh, while, while we're here I had a similar word in the first service but it was both uh, uh, it, was in, it was in the feet in both feet but this one in this service it's just on the left side alright you've been having problems in your foot in your ankle in that area issues on that left foot receive this now just tell the Lord I receive healing in that right now Father I just rebuke that pain and that condition I command the ankle bone the muscles the nerves be healed in Jesus name all the problems in that foot that left foot have to go now we command them to leave and that body to be made whole in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ thank you Lord thank you Lord and then also maybe just pray for this one too then we'll, then we'll finish up I think but uh, it's on the left side of your shoulder but it's not, not the shoulder but it's right back here on the, in that part of the part of the back you're not having a problem there lay your hand on yourself you can reach it in the name of Jesus 
Thank you that that muscle loosens up now. All the pain, discomfort, arthritis, leave that body, leave that shoulder, that back. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that it's so. All those problems go now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And just while we're talking, I'll just, I'll just do this and pray for this too. It's like a, it's a headache, but it's in your forehead. All right, not like something in the back. It's right there in the forehead. Your forehead's been giving you problems right there, causing you pain. Lay your hand right on, just right on yourself there. In Jesus' name, I command that pain, that problem, to go. And the peace of God makes it whole and makes it well, makes everything right. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So good to us. While we're talking, while we're talking, let's just do this one too. It's a, it's a nasal thing. Nasal passage. Um, seems to even be behind your nose, kind of in there. That's you. That's you. If you're having that problem right now, receive. The Lord wants to heal that right now. He did 2,000 years ago. We're just grabbing it right now. So I pray for that. Lay your hands on yourself. That's you. In Jesus' name, all the pain goes, all the discomfort goes, all the, the problems, all the hindrance, all the blockage, whatever it is, go from that nasal passage. In Jesus' name, be free. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for making that well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, God is good. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I let that settle for a second. <sighs> Hallelujah. Amen. How many lift up your hand and say, I got healed? Wow, a bunch of people. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Tell your story. Write it down. Spread it around. Act like it's gossip. Spread the Lord's fame. <laughs> Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.